بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه وبعد. So in this session then we deal with this chapter and it is the chapter wherein الإمام الجماعة he mentions في آداب في الآداب مع الكتب التي هي آلة العلم وما يتعلق بتصحيحها وضبطها وحملها ووضعها وشرائها وإعارتها أو وعاريتها he mentions the adab of the talib with his kutub, with his books. For indeed, they are the ala or the instruments of knowledge. And subhanallah al-azim, the talib ilm should understand this in, uh, or in and above or over and above any individual on the planet. Kutub are the ala or the instruments of ilm. And that is something that should be understood, Ikhwan, because some may con confuse what is present here and what we're looking at here with some of the uh, athar that have come from some of the Salaf concerning the Suhufi, that a person does not take and should not take knowledge from the Suhufi. Uh, and some may misunderstand those narrations uh, almost to the detriment of themselves in that what some people do is that they find or they come across those narrations and they, and they believe that the Talib ilm shouldn't concern himself with books he should either study with a sheikh or khalas and he either he has the opportunity to study with a sheikh or he abandons that the athar or those narrations some of them were mentioned to Sheikh bin Uthaymeen and is it true that the one whose shuh are his kutub, then his errors are greater than his mistakes. The shaykh said, not, that is not absolute. That is not absolute, because, because it is possible that a person may study the books that are of the authors that are sound. A man who studies just the books of Shaykh al-Islam Taymiyyah, just the books of Al-Imam ibn al-Qayyim, and he understands them, then it may not be said of him that his mistakes are more than uh, his, his times of correctness. Um, though the origin is the one whose shuyukh are his kutub, then his mistakes are more than his errors, no doubt. And that is because of the fact that when one looks at the affair of ilm, the origin is that which is in the kutub was aslan in the hearts and minds of someone from Ahlul Ilm. Yani the kutub preserve that which has come from Ahlul Ilm. And so they are instruments that are used by the people of knowledge, but the origin of Ilm is with its carriers. With that being said, then of course, if you look at that which is related to the book of Allah Azzawajal, then it is present within the Mus'haf, and it is written. If you look at the Sunnah of his Messenger والسلام, you'll find it is mudawwana, it is preserved and written in books. If you look at that which is related to the explanation of the ayat of the book of Allah Azzawajal, the kutub of tafsir, and the statements of tafsir that have come from the, the Salaf, and they are written, preserved in books. If you look at the ahadith of the Messenger of Allah, وسلم, they are written 
the explanation of those ahadith written. And so everything that revolves around the ilm and the knowledge of the sharia has been preserved in writing. Thus, the statement of the imam here, fi fil adabi ma'al kutub allati hiya alatul ilm. His adab or his mannerisms with the books, which are, yani the kutub, the instruments of knowledge, that is, of course, ikhwan, no doubt the case. And that which is connected with correcting them. That is, the books, ikhwan. And now, of course, we're acquainted with these new, yani, fandango, pretty, uh, well-produced uh, books. But of old, and this is a recent phenomenon, of course, uh, with the invention of the printing press and then the computer, but of old, and yani, not too long ago, a talib ilm, the talib ilm, if he wanted kutub, he would have to write or purchase from someone who wrote. And so the talib ilm, either from the things that he spent his time doing, the ulama of the tulabul ilm of hadith, they would spend their time, ikhwan, with kitaba and naskh al kutub. That is, if you wanted a copy of Sahih al-Bukhari, and ordinarily Tulab al were poor, it wasn't just a case of yani, popping down to Al-Maktab uh, al-Salafiyya or Dar al-Salam or whichever ever other bookstore that sells yani, the printed version of Sahih al-Bukhari and buying a copy. Ikhwan, it was a case of sitting down and writing out Sahih al-Bukhari. Or that you paid someone to write it out, or that uh, you uh, uh, paid for a copy that was already written out in somebody else's handwriting. And so the affair then of Tasheeh al-Kutub was a majorly important mas'ala. We mentioned this before we get into, because much of what he has mentioned is connected to that which is, yeah, which relates to handwritten books, though it likewise relates to those books that are in print. He mentions, وَمَا يَتَعَلُّكُ بِتَصْحِيحِهَا And that which is connected to correcting them. وَضَبْتِهَا Making them precise. وَحَمْلِهَا Carrying them. وَوَضْعِهَا Putting them down. وَشْرَائِهَا Purchasing them. وَعَارَتِهَا يعني, uh, Lending them and borrowing them. وَنَسْخِهَا And copying them. وَغَيْرِ ذَلِكَ And other than that. He mentions the first no'ah, then we'll get straight into the first mas'ala, the first issue, and that is al-naw'ah al-awwal. Yanbaghi li talib al-ilm an ya'taniya bitahseel al-kutub al-muhtaj ilayha wa ma amkanahu shira'an. I don't know if you all have shira'an, you have shira'an? No. <coughs> وما أمكنه شراء وإلا فإجارة أو عارية أو عارية نعم لأنها آلة التحصيل ولا يجعل تحصيله وكثرتها حظه من العلم وجمعها نصيبه من الفهم كما يفعله كثير من المنتحلين 
من المنتحلين الفقه والحديث he mentions firstly that it is befitting for the talib علم to concern himself with obtaining kutub the books that he needs if he is able that is if he is able to purchase them and if not then uh, by borrowing them or by renting them by borrowing them or renting them which was something that, that used to occur similarly that a person would have a precise copy of Sahih Muslim and I desire to copy Sahih Muslim so I will rent my Sahih Muslim to you for a period for a set price you borrow it for a week and you have a week to copy it no. or borrowing or yeah, rather lending your book and copying it Kadalik. Uh, he mentions uh, if he's able to purchase them he does so and if not then he rents or he lends them he said because they are the instruments of obtaining knowledge he said but he should not make obtaining and this is an important issue he should not make obtaining books and having an abundance of books his only portion or lot as it relates to knowledge and that is important to know and important to mention because there are many who in their desire for ilm and in their desire to develop a maktaba and a, 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 a large maktaba that their concern becomes the development of the maktaba over and above them benefiting from the, the maktaba in a manner in which they should and so their goal now becomes increasing the maktaba and that the maktaba looks jameel and that the whole of that back wall is full and now we need some more shelves for the sides so we're just going to get some custom-made ones that go underneath the window and then come back over and, and, and that type, this type of affair. So the, the living room, mashallah, it looks jameel. Lakin, yeah, and if you look at how much benefit has been taken from those books and have they been read and studied and utilized and used, you'll find they are as crisp as they were the day they were bought. <laughs> You take it out, open it, it's still crack, it still you hear the crackling. Unused, untouched, and that is not the maqsood. That is not the intent. There is no doubt that there are going to be some books in your library that you possibly, until this day, you've had it for 20 years. And that particular volume you have not need to use. But the origin with the Talib Ilm is that there are, at the very least, certain principles he should follow in relation to his books. And that is when he buys them, there are certain things that he should read from them. And we're going to look at that in this place, inshallah. Now, so he mentions, so his lot then should not just be kathratiha, yani increasing in them, having a large library. And that is his only portion of ilm. His only portion of ilm is that, mashallah, is a nice library. But as far as actually possessing ilm, then yani he possesses none. Or just gathering 
uh, books should not be his lot and his portion <coughs> of fahm, of understanding. كما يفعله كثير من المنتحلين للفقه والحديث as many of those who take up uh, the affair of fiqh and hadith do he mentions وقد أحسن القائل إذا لم تكن حافظا واعيا فجمعك للكتب لا ينفعه uh, two lines of poetry. If you are not a hafiz, wa'i. Yani the origin is al-hifz wal-wa'i. Yani hifz, memorization, coupled with wa'i. Yani with faham, with understanding. That is ilm. Uh, al-ilm, real ilm, is that a person gathers between these two things. Real ilm, ayyuh al-ikhwa, is that a person gathers between these two things, hifz and wa'i, hifz and faham. Not hifz alone, lakinnak ma tafham shay. And not purely to just understand some principles, though, in, this, in the scheme of things, understanding is better if one were to choose the two, one of the two, then to, co to have correct understanding supersedes memorization. To understand correctly, as Ahl al mentioned, supersedes memorization. But the Salaf of this Ummah, they used to say, Al-ilm huwa al-hifz. Al-ilm huwa al-hifz. Wa man lam yahfaz, falaysa lahu ilm. That ilm is memorization. Knowledge really is memorization. And he who does not yahfad, uh, he who does not memorize, then he is not the possessor of knowledge. And, the, and so the talib ilm, he acquaints himself with memorization. And in essence, ayuhal ikhwa, there is no need <coughs> for seeking or searching for some new fandango way of memorizing or some new uh, development in memorization techniques though they may help but the origin and the asl is tikrar the asl as it relates to hifz is repetition Bas. that you repeat it and you repeat it and you repeat it and you repeat it until you have memorized naam there may be some methods that a person may employ and utilizing memory tags uh, that may help him along his way but the origin is tikrar repetition and ikhwan it is one of the easiest things that a person can do now, our problem is we don't embark upon doing it uh, I've mentioned time and time again the affair of the shanaqita who uh, have amazing memory the people from Mauritania and their method, Ikhwan, is that they just repeat it a hundred times. And then after Asar, they repeat the same thing another 40 times. And one of them said to me, if you do it like that, you never forget it. <laughs> and it's true, try it. hundred times, something you want to you wanna, you wanna memorize, just repeat it a hundred. You don't even need a hundred times, 40 times. 40 times in the morning, another 40 times in the evening. And you have it. 
And you have it, Ikhwan. When we were initially landed in the Jamia, we studied the Medina books that we've studied previously. But one of the things that they employ within the Jamia is hifd of the Medina book, hifd of those texts, hifd of those dialogues. And so you may find yourself bored to death repeating the same thing for the whole class initially. Initially. But you'll remember it. That's probably 30 years ago. That's where about it, and we still have it. Why? Because you read it, and then you read it, and then you read it, and then you read it. And naturally, when he reads it, it's a repetition for you. And then when he reads it, he reads it, class is over, everybody's read the same page. But when the taxi driver asks you, when the taxi driver asks you, how many, how many kulliyata in the jamia? Fil jamiatil islamiya khamsu kulliyatil. Hiya kulliyatil hadith al-sharif. Yeah, you remember it. Where I come from? <laughs> you remember it, not repetition, Ikhwan, it has benefit. So all you do, you, the, the text that you memorize, the dialogues that you memorize, you tweet them according to the circumstance and according to the situation. <laughs> repetition, Ikhwan, Al-Imam al-Bukhari, rahimahullah ta'ala, when he was asked concerning his hifz, where did he come from? Where did he get it from? His amazing memory. He said, just abundant reading in the books. That they would have an asr that they would take from the shaykh, his shu'ut that they studied from, they would write those ahadith, and then they would return, and they would repeat them, and repeat them, and repeat them, and repeat them, and repeat them, until they have them. Yani, you repeat them until you're blue in the face. And then turn it over. And repeat it, and repeat it, and repeat it. And then turn it back. And repeat it, and repeat it, and repeat it. And as time develops, you'll find that your brain becomes familiar with those texts that you've either memorized. And secondly, your brain adopts the uh, the method that you've employed of preserving ilm and slowly but surely that which took you an hour to memorize now takes you half an hour and then as time progresses that which took you half an hour you can get it in 14 15 minutes and so you'll find your ability to memorize it becomes stronger and stronger and stronger and so the hifd, the affair of hifd and memorization is essential for the talib ilm and ikhwan it is as simple as beginning it is as simple as beginning if needs be get yourself one of those little the little those little tasbih counters yeah not for tasbih for repetition remember you've said it once click it say it again click it say it a third time click it no and get into, yeah, I bought a batch of them just now, Hajj. 
<laughs> just for the children. Click it. Say it again. Click it. How many times? Click it. Click it. Until you've, until you've repeated it 40, 50 times. Get into the habit, Ikhwan, of memorization. It is something, alhamdulillah, Allah Azza wa Jal has blessed uh, our, our, our shabab with intellect and with ability to memorize. There is nothing that prevents any one of us, Ikhwan, uh, from being from the best of the Hufad in the dunya other than actually embarking upon doing it. That's our mushkila. All we do is sit down and speak about how strong this one's memory is and how much that one has memorized, but we don't ever ourselves just embark upon doing it. So you have a portion of the day, half an hour, an hour, that is set aside for memorization. And you sit in a quiet room. If, you, if it needs be, look at a white wall and repeat and repeat and repeat until you have it. And tomorrow you do the same. And then the following day you do the same. And then the day after that you do the same. And by the end of the week you will begin to feel the benefit. You'll begin to feel that uh, the affair of memorization is now, number one, becoming easier, and number two, that you're actually preserving knowledge as opposed to, يعني, I know there is a hadith somewhere that says something like, now, قال رحمه الله تعالى لأنها آلة التحسيل ولا يجعل تحسيله وكثرته وكثرتها حظه من العلم وجمعه نصيبه من الفهم كما يفعل كثير من المنتحلين الفقه والحديث. Then he said he continues وإذا أمكن تحسيله شراء لم يشتغل بنسخها. He mentions here if he is able to obtain it through purchasing, then he doesn't busy himself writing. A person may say that doesn't that go against uh, what the talib ilm should be upon, which is that he should be about writing and <coughs> recording, and that was a method that was used and continue, continues to be used in some of the lands of the Muslimin, like the Bilad, Al-Maghrib, uh, Al-Arabi, that even when it comes to memorizing the Quran, they'll, they'll have a small slate, they'll write it out on a the slate, they'll memorize it, and they'll rub it off, and then they'll write it out again and memorize it and go over it and so on. That is something that is used now. But here we're speaking of the Talib Ilm, who one of the most precious things to him is his time. And so, while there is benefit in writing out Kutub of Hadith, no doubt, and in many instances, the Talib will memorize as he writes. And there are some ahadith, some statements, some lines, benefits that he may come across. The benefit is so sweet that he stops on it for a minute, that he repeats it for a second, that he ponders on it and reflects upon it for a while, and before he even moves on to the next statement, فَإِذَا بِهِ قَدْ حَفِظَ هَذِهِ الْجُمْلَةِ And before he moves on to the next statement, he's memorized this one already. Because of the great benefit that he found when he came across it, it stopped him. So, naam, there is benefit in that, but generally, 
the talib ilm as much as he can preserve time he preserves time and so he mentions that if it is possible for him to purchase the book then he doesn't busy himself writing the book out how long is it going to take him to copy out Sahih al-Bukhari how long is it going to take him to write out tafsir tabari dakhan so he will benefit but we see here Ibn Jama'ah indicates the benefit that of the student of knowledge preserving his time. Uh, and that is because of the fact that his time, him utilizing his time, is from the greatest of uh, the tools, or him using his time well, from the greatest of the tools of the Talib ilm. And he never uh, wastes his time, rather, he looks towards how he can better use the time that he has before him. قال رحمه الله تعالى ولا يهتم المشتغل بالمبالغة في تحسين الخط. He said neither should a person, and he mentions here, لا يهتم المشتغل بالمبالغة في تحسين الخط. He said a person should not go overboard in trying to pretty and better his handwriting. And that is to say that sometimes in an attempt to better one's khat, we have some people who will take, masalan, writing uh, classes. What I mean by writing classes not the standard writing classes that anyone who's learning Arabic needs, but that he goes a step further and he takes, for example, Arabic calligraphy classes and he spends months and months learning uh, yeah, any beautiful khat and Arabic calligraphy. What that is jameel and it is a nice skill to know. Is it going to take from the time that he could have been using to obtain that which is far more beneficial for him? While having nice handwriting is, of course, a benefit, there were many from the people of knowledge whose handwriting was known. Yeah, and it, to be, yeah, it wasn't the best, it wasn't the prettiest handwriting. Shaykh al-Islam ibn because of the speed of his khat, the uh, speed of his, his kitaba, his khat, ikhwan, it is well known that his manuscripts, the handwritten manuscripts, Shaykh al-Islam's handwritten manuscripts, are some of the most difficult to read. In fact, one of his tulab, one of his students, would have to study some of his manuscripts in order to come to a conclusion as to what it was that was written upon it. Because Shaykh Islam Taymi used to write so fast, which indicates to you the concern that they paid with using the time well. And so it could have, Shaykh al-Islam could have taken time out, written his kutub and his writings well, slowly, beautifully. But Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah gave precedence to using his time as best as possible. And so he would write quickly, which indicates the statement of Ibn Jama'ah here, لا يهتم المشتغل بالمبالغة في تحسين الخط he said, وَإِنَّمَا يَحْتَمُّ بِتَسْحِيحِهِ أو بِسَحِيحِهِ وَتَسْحِيحِهِ وَلَا يَسْتَعِيرُ كِتَابًا 
ما إمكان شرائه وإجارته. He mentions rather over and above beautifying his khat, beautifying his handwriting, he should he should concentrate upon his handwriting being correct and correcting his handwriting and what was written. That is, is that is the 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 written matter correct? Is it sahih? And you'll find one if you read in the biographies of the people of knowledge, and particularly in relation to the mas'ala of kitabat al-ilm, of writing knowledge. And there are many of Ahlul Ilm who have written around the topic, even Jama'a being one of them, uh, Al-Khatib al-Baghdadi, uh, similarly has a book purely around the affair of writing knowledge, Taqiyid uh, al-Ilm. Uh, similarly, uh, Ibn Abdul Barr in Jami' al-Bayan, Bayan Fadl al-Ilm wa Fadli, has a chapter around and a section around Kitabat al-Ilm and writing out knowledge. This affair is one that the scholars pay concern to. But you'll find that the ulama of hadith, when they discuss it, they look at, and you'll find these narrations revolving around correcting what was written. And this is uh, what Ibn Jama'ah will go on to mention. That is, correcting the book, making it more precise, looking for errors, correcting errors. Yani, vopt of the kitab itself. Up until this very day, a good print that Ahlul Ilm will refer to as a print that you should obtain is not the one that has the logo or the writing or the title going along the spines. So when you put the 20 volumes together, it looks jameel in your library and on your shelf. It, is not, it, it may possibly be, but not because of the fact that it is that, but because of what is in the book that makes that the book that Ahlul Ilm would recommend. That is, has the muhaqqiq and the one who took it from manuscript form into printed form, has he paid concern to it? Is he from those who are precise in terms of taking books from manuscript and yani, comparing the various manuscripts of one book? Are they precise and accurate in that which they record. And is there a mention of the varying manuscripts that this statement was in and it was not present in manuscript B? Mathalan, when it is seen that the, the muhaqqiq or the one who checked the book was rigorous in terms of taking it from manuscript to printed form, when that is seen, Ahlul Ilm recommend with that. That is the book that they recommend with. It is not the one that is beautiful and Jameel Ikhwan and has those yellow pages and the print is, yeah, and it is red every now and again and so on. It is the precision of that which is printed itself. And so you'll find that sometimes they'll recommend a book and it's a book in Hadith and there is no kalam whatsoever from Sheikh Nasir You'd expect, if somebody's going to recommend a check-in, a good checking, then you're expecting to see Sheikh Al-Albani authenticated, Sheikh Nasir authenticated. But Ahlul Ilm, Ikhwan, their nazar is not towards, and they do not look at what it is that has been checked in terms of 
is the hadith authentic or not when they're speaking about uh, the best print of the book they are looking at precision of the text in terms of taking it from manuscript form to printed form have they been accurate and rigorous in doing so because if they have then we know that this print of the book is the most accurate in terms of comparing manuscripts and in terms of it being as close as possible to what the author actually wrote and not just that it is and it is pretty and it is beautified by other things is it as close and as accurate as possible to what the author actually wrote as far as the checking of the ahadith then you can do that yourself and you can find those ahadith from their places uh, and return back to them that is not an issue but how precise is the text itself now so he mentions rahimahullah ta'ala al-naw'thani the second naw'a the second category and that is in relation to uh, uh, borrowing lending and borrowing books he said yastahibbu i'arat al-kutub liman la darara alayhi fiha mimman la darara minhu biha he said uh, it is uh, desirable to lend books to one who there is no harm upon him in them. That is, it is a book the contents of which are not harmful to the one who the book is being lent and borrowed to. Being borrowed to. Because there are some books, Ikhwan, that may have darar for the one who the book is being given to. There are some Athar, uh, some riwayat, one I've come across some narrations that you can never circulate in the West. The haq, riwayat from some of the Salaf, where if certain people were to know of this, the darar and the harm that would come from that would be immense. Yahi, some of the Salaf used to do it, yahi. Or some of the Salaf used to do something similar. For him, it is harmful. For Sahib Taqwa and the one who is in terms of his deen upon khair and what have you, then no doubt that knowledge of it is present, it is, it is available. But there are some branches of knowledge for certain people that are harmful for those individuals. And so, he said it is desirable to lend someone a book with the condition that there is no harm upon him in that which is in it. Uh, and there is no harm that will come from him in relation to that. He said, وَكَرَهَ قَوْمٌ he said some of the people have considered lending books uh, uh, disliked. Some of them hold that it is disliked. It is mentioned concerning an individual in Hind who had a huge library, a huge library. 
And he was questioned about his library where he got it from. He said, I got it all from borrowing books. <laughs> he said, but you don't see that that is a jarima, that is a crime. He said, no, because <clears throat> the one who borrows a book is majnoon. <laughs> or the one who lends a book is majnoon. Therefore, yeah, I'm saving the book from uh, and using it in that which is better. So the, the origin is that many of the people of knowledge from the Salaf used to dispraise, and you'll find many narrations in that uh, vein, uh, dispraising, borrow, uh, lending books. Dispraising, lending books. That is, giving one's book to someone to borrow for a period. Now, many of the Salaf used to dispraise that. He mentioned... But al-awwal awla. He said, but the first position, which is the permissibility and the desirable nature uh, of lending a book to someone, is given preference because of that which is present within it from aiding people upon knowledge. And you borrow somebody a book, or you lend somebody a book, uh, he borrows it from you, and he benefits. Perhaps his ibadah is corrected, Perhaps his salah is now sound. Perhaps he is able to give zakah now with the ilm. Perhaps his tawheed is corrected. Perhaps he was on fikr min al-afkar al-haddama. And now he's left this foreign, strange ideology. He was upon the path of the khawarij. You borrow him a book. He gives it back to you. And he says, Yaqi jazakallah khair. Wallahi, he cleared up everything. How many times a person takes a book and afterward you read a book, he cleared up everything. Alhamdulillah. And so the benefit of that and the khair of that and the ajr of that returns back to the one who lent the book to him. And so therefore, the position of those who hold that it is desirable to borrow someone uh, a book uh, is better because in it is aiding upon knowledge and uh, and he mentioned He said And that which uh, Is present With uh, Lending individuals Generally yani Lending generally uh, That which is present within it from Virtue Now Mushkila is what do we leave? Kunduhu, kunduhu khair. Taib, he mentions, وَيَنْبَغِي لِلْمُسْتَعِيرِ أَنْ يَشْكُرْ لِلْمُعِيرِ ذَلِكَ وَيَجْزِيَهُ خَيْرًا وَلَا يَطِيرُ مَقَامَهُ عِنْدَ مِنْ غَيْرِ حَاجَةً He said it is befitting that the person uh, who borrowed a book from someone that he thanks the one who lent the book to him. He said, and uh, he uh, asks uh, that Allah Azza wa reward him with khair. Oh, khairan. He himself may possibly reward him for the for the uh, the uh, gesture. Yeah, that he gives him a gift because of it. He said. 
And he should not remain for a long period when he comes to return the book. He should not remain for a long period uh, without need. That is, don't waste a man's time. You've took his book, you borrowed his book, you probably was in need of it. Alhamdulillah, you brought it back, but don't waste his time any further. If you don't need to remain there, give him back his book. Jazakallah khair. He is a gift. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Now, moving on then, the third category in relation to the Talib Ilm and his books is, or the third affair, إِذَا نَسَخَ مِنَ الْكِتَابِ أَوْ طَلَعَهُ فَلَا يَدَّعَهُ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ مَفْرُوشًا مَنْشُورًا He said, if a person has to write out or copy a book or read a book, then he should not leave it on the ground open. يعني مفروشًا مَنْشُورًا means he leaves it on the ground like this. Rather, يَجْعَلُهُ بَيْنَ كِتَابَيْنِ he said, in fact, rather he should leave it between two books. And this whole section revolves around protecting the kutub. And from, the, from those of you who are familiar with the principles uh, of dhabt of the rawi, and the, the narrator being precise, from the principles is dhabt al-kitab, and that his book is precise. And that he preserves and protects his book. From protection of the book, he doesn't just leave it open uh, and, uh, yeah, and he may possibly be subject to being damaged. Rather, if he has to move away from it, that he preserves and protects it wherever possible. Remembering the fact, Ikhwan, that not all, not all of the books of the past were books that had yeah, any leather were leather bound or what have you. Sometimes there were scrolls. And so if a person then had a book, it was a scroll, then he doesn't just leave the scroll open and, and he leaves his place. Even if it is just to go and get some more what what have you. Rather from the uh, the adab of the Talib ilm is that he preserves his scroll. And so if it was a scroll, Mathalani takes it and he places it between two things. And that keeps it protected. Uh, and the, the, uh, a similar affair in our time, again, would be to close the book if one is going to move away from it or that it is going to be in a place where something could happen to a man could walk past with a cup of coffee, spill some coffee on it, and the book's damaged. Or that there are children playing in the masjid. And one of them, you know, they run... He steps on the page, rips the page. And the origin is that the Talib Ilm is ardent over preserving his book. Uh, then he goes on to mention, Then goes on to discuss that which is related to how he arranges his books. So this section here, deals with and speaks of the arrangement of his books. He mentions that he has adab and he uses, or he has, there is, he has mannerisms in relation to how he arranges and places his books. That is, how he arranges his books within his own library. He said, بِعْتِبَارِ عُلُومِهَا وَشَرَفِهَا وَمُسَنِّفِيهَا 
He said, وَجَلَالَتِهَا or وَجَلَالَتِهِمْ He said that the book should be placed in accordance with, number one, their science and the noble nature of that science. Number two, the author of the book and the, the noble station of the author. So he said, فَيَضَعَ الْأَشْرَفْ he said, so the most noble is given the highest station. He mentions, ثُمَّ يُرَاعِ التَّدْرِيجِ فَإِنْ كَانَ فِيهَا الْمُصْحَفَ الْكَرِيمِ جَعَلَهُ أَعْلَى الْكُلِّ He said, one looks then at the varying levels. If there is a mushaf, then he makes that أَعْلَى الْكُلِّ I know here in the West we don't have any in we're in England or America we generally don't have an issue with placing books masalan on the floor or ensuring that books are placed in a high place or what what have you. But you will find much ikhwah, from the statements of the Salaf of this Ummah around being careful about how one treats and handles books and in particular the Mus'haf. Yani we have never had that issue in the West here. But in reality, it is something that is considered by the people of knowledge. Yani that they wouldn't just treat and deal with their books as though yani they're dealing with you know, <coughs> tools in some mechanics. Uh, uh, yani garage. Let's throw that one over there, and that one just goes back over there, and leave that other one over there on the floor, and no concern, Juan, for that which they're working with here. Ikhwan, we're working with that which is related to the speech of Allah Azzawajal, the speech of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu the speech of the Sahaba Ridwan Allah And so the station that that has in our heart is. Uh, greater than for us to do with it that which would be considered disrespectful if it was something else. Mathalan, you have some people <coughs> who when it comes to their graduation certificate, yakhi, you would never find it on the floor. Yakhi. You would barely, you wouldn't even find it, you wouldn't even be able to find it half the time. It's away in a nice preserved envelope. Yani, there is a seal upon it. And the same seal that was upon it with the day you got it remains upon it. It's in a, a particular cupboard. It's hidden away. And it's preserved and protected. And so when he pulls it out 30 years after he received it, it is as beautiful as it was when it was given to him. Why? Because of the station that paper has in his heart. He protects it. He preserves it. He honors it. If one of your parents, Mathalan, may Allah protect and, protect and preserve our parents, and uh, may Allah Azzawajal have mercy upon those from among the believing, our believing parents who passed away. But if our parents left a wasiyah, handwritten by your father, by your mother, in relation to what she advises you with, 
after she dies or what he advises you with after he dies and you enter your living room and the kids have just got it on the floor and around it you need just balls and there, there's some play-doh and it's, and it's just around it <laughs> huh? you're gonna yeah, yeah there's gonna be an issue there's gonna be an issue the book of Allah Azza wa Jal is not Ashraf and A'la and superior and greater than that which was written by our parents or than that which was left as a wasiyah by them or your graduation certificate. So the station, Ikhwan, of the book of Allah Azza wa Jal in our hearts would necessitate that we wouldn't want to see it being in a disrespectful place. And that is something that returns back to the station of the kalam of Allah Azza wa Jal in our hearts. Atai ibn Abi Rabah would read the book of Allah and he would kiss it and say, Kalam Rabbi, Kalam Rabbi. He would kiss it in the Quran. Atai ibn Abi Rabah, Sayyid Tabi'in. And if somebody were to do that now, Yekhi, what are you kissing it for? Huh? What are you kissing it for, Yaqi? Salaf of this Ummah Ikhwan, the Book of Allah, the Ahadith of the Messenger of Allah had a station in their Qulub. And that is what uh, Imam Jama'ah is mentioning here. That, uh, uh, number one, alongside the affair of preserving and protecting the book, which is the origin in relation to uh, the Book of Allah, جل, the Sunnah of His Messenger, Sallallahu and that which is memorized by the Tulab Ilm, he similarly arranges his books in accordance with the, the Ilm and the science. And so he mentions the Mus'haf al-Kareem, جَعَلَهُ أَعْلَى الْكُلْ He makes the Mus'haf أَعْلَى شَيْءٍ And it is, wallahi, ikhwan, heartbreaking to walk into a house and see, مثلا, a mug of, a mug of tea and the Mus'haf. A mug and the Mus'haf. Or that something's just an empty cup or whatever is just on the mushaf. And there is no one that's paid attention to that and seen that and has a problem with that. It's an issue, Saraha. He mentions, Thumma, he said, Thumma kutub al-hadith, as-sirf, kasahih, Muslim. Then he arranges them in accordance with the books of hadith. And so that which is related to the book of Allah is given precedence. Then the books of hadith, like Sahih Muslim, and the rest of the kutub uh, of hadith. He mentions, ثم تفسير الحديث ثم أصول الدين. Then, afwan, ثم تفسير القرآن. Then the tafsir of the Quran. ثم تفسير الحديث. In the tafsir of the Quran, naturally because of the fact that here we have a combination of the mushaf with the speech. Some of that, that may be a hadith, some of it may be a statement of the salaf, and some of it may be the speech of those who are after them. And so it is given a noble station, but not the same as the pure mushaf. Of course, there are rulings related to the mushaf that don't apply to tafsir, books of tafsir. He said, then, tafsir al-hadith, yani, shuru, the kutub and the books 
that explain the ahadith like Fatul Bari or like Al Minhaj, Sharh Sahih Muslim, or like Tuhfatul Ahwadi, Sharh, Sharh of a Tirmidhi, like Al Aun uh, like Al Ma'bud, Sharh of Abu Dawood, and so on. Those books, uh, he arranges them after that which is related to the book and the Sunnah. He said, Thumma usulu deen, and then the fundamentals of the deen, yani, the affairs of Aqeedah. Thumma usulu al-fiqh, then usulu al-fiqh, thumma al-fiqh, then fiqh, thumma al-nahwas wa al-tasrif, thumma ash'aru al-arab, thumma al-arub. He said, then, at, uh, then fiqh, then nahw, <coughs> then nahw and tasrif, nahw and sarf, then that which is related to Ash'ar al-Arab, like the Dawaween, Diwan al-Shafi'i, Diwan al-Mutanabbi, and those books that were connected to the Shi'r and the poetry of the Arab. And then Al-Arud, which is another science related to the science of language. Now, he goes on to mention there and after. So this section Ikhwan, is about arranging the books. Of course, this isn't this isn't compulsory. Um, and if a person sees that he prefers a different type of arrangement, then it is uh, of course that which is most beneficial. If it is if it is more beneficial than this arrangement that has been mentioned here, then that is permissible for him. So if a person, for example, places his books of tafsir in a separate section and he begins his arrangement with the books of Aqeedah, and he's familiar with that. Because the, the main thing is, when he needs his books, when he needs his references, when he needs those kutub, he knows where they are, and he's familiar with their place. If he may possess the book, but hasn't read it, but he may have purchased it, then he knows if it's going to be anywhere, it's going to be in this section here. That is what is most important, that he is able to return back to those sources as and when he needs them. But the Salaf would look, uh, as in Jama'ah he mentions here, to the, the uh, virtue and the nobility of that science. Now, Al-Rabi' fourthly, he said, إِذَا اسْتَعَارَ كِتَابًا فَيَنْبَغِي لَهُ أَيَتَفَقَّدَهُ عِنْدَ إِرَادَةِ أَخْدِهِ وَرَدِّهِ he said, if he borrows a book, if he lends a book to someone, then yambagi lahu ayatafakadahu. Then it is befitting that he should feel and sense its absence. Yatafakadahu. It's gone. And he remains cognizant of the fact that. Such and such a book, I don't have it. I don't particularly like that. And he should have that feeling within, within himself that he is missing a book. And Juan, there is nothing worse. Wallahi. There is nothing worse than you borrow a man volume five of a 12 volume book and you never get your volume five back. <laughs> huh? Or you borrow a man volume three of a 16 volume book, 
never get your volume free back. Which is why some of the sellers used to say the one who does so is much known borrowing you, letting your books out. Because a person may not necessarily do it intentionally, but rarely, after a person uses a book and he puts it on his shelf, and I've got to remember to give it back, usually, unless he is reminded, he'll forget that he's actually borrowed that book. He'll forget. Uh, so he mentions that if he does lend a book to someone, someone's borrowed a book from him, then, he should feel its loss. He should feel that it's missing. Just as if he were to have his, just his rims on his car and somebody's taken one of his wheels and he's now got an odd black wheel on his car the rest of them are chrome. Every day, every day he jumps in his car, he the wheel. <laughs> Similarly, he should have that same ishaar with that missing book. And it's missing. And I, you know, I, I, alhamdulillah, you want to get the benefit, but that book is important to me. Now, Khamisan, he said, fifthly, إِذَا نَسَخَ شَيْئًا مِنْ كُتُبِ الْعُلُومِ الشَّرْعِيَّةِ فَيَنْبَغِي لَهُ أَنْ يَكُونَ عَلَى الطَّهَارَةِ مُسْتَقْبِلَ الْقِبْلَةِ طاهر البدن والثياب بحبر طاهر ويبتدي كل كتاب بكتابة بسم الله. For the statement here, he mentions إذا نسخ شيئا من كتب العلوم, if something or if he copies and writes out something from the books of علم, then it is befitting that he is on طهارة, facing the قبلة, have purity in of body. And garment and use pure ink. Is there Najis ink? Huh? Is there no Yunkin? 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 Ink made of pig's blood. And if he shay, huh? Alexa Kazalik. Uh, but as far as the shart of him being upon tahara, facing the qibla and so on, then though it is mentioned and it's good to be familiar with it. See, the benefit here is while none of this is wajib, it is good to be familiar with the fact that the Salaf used to, you know, these are issues that the Salaf used to hold, that some of them used to hold that it is better. Imam Malik, ta'ala, when he would narrate, before he would narrate, he would make a ghusl, he would put on uh, the, the best of his garments, he would tie his imama, he would yatabakhar, and he would put bukhur on himself, and then he would come out and narrate. He didn't have to do it. But here he is conveying the mirath and the inheritance of the Messenger of Allah. And he himself would say that, that I, I desire to do so in the best state. This is the hadith of the Rasulullah, the best messenger that ever walked upon the face of the earth, the messenger of Allah. And his statements, Ikhwan, are not just considered uh, as though they are the statements of any other individual, murabbi or mudarris. 
a hadith of Rasulullah. And so you'll find some of the, the people of knowledge would do so. And it is narrated similarly concerning Imam al-Bukhari that he would make ghusl and pray raka'atayn in relation to the ahadith that he would put in the sahih. Uh, and so while it was a practice, it is not something that is wajib and there is no evidence that indicates that this is something that has to be done. But na'am, it was practiced by some of the salaf. He said, وَيَبْتَدِي كُلَّ كِتَابٍ بِكِتَابَةِ بِسْمِ اللَّهِ الرَّحْمَنِ الرَّحِيمِ he said he begins uh, that which he writes by writing Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Uh, he, he, he called, <coughs> He said, so if the book itself has in it and begins with the praise of Allah, sending peace and blessings upon the Messenger, then he himself writes that after the Basmalah. He begins with Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, and then he writes the book. If it starts with praise of Allah, peace and blessings upon his Messenger, then he writes that after the Basmalah. If not, if the book doesn't start like that, then he writes the Basmalah, praises Allah Azza wa Jal, says peace and blessings upon his messenger in writing and then he begins writing the book uh, naam. he said he does so similarly with uh, when he finishes the book yani when he seals the book every time he writes the name of Allah he follows it with ta'zim and Allah Ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allahu azza wa jal, Allahu jalla jalalu, and so on. That he follows the mention of the name of Allah with some form of extolling Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He said, وَكُلَّمَا كَتَبَ إِسْمِ النَّبِي صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ كَتَبَ عَلَيْهِ بَعْدِ الصَّلَاةَ عَلَيْهِ وَالسَّلَامِ وَيُصَلِّي هُوَ عَلَيْهِ بِلِسَانِهِ أَيْضًا He said, when he writes the name of the Prophet ﷺ, he follows that with salat was salam. He said, and he يُصَلِّي هُوَ عَلَيْهِ بِلِسَانِهِ أَيْضًا That he does so with his tongue as well. And that is something that, again, you'll find many of the narrations of the Salaf around the people of Hadith being the greatest of the people sending peace and blessings upon the messenger of Allah number one in that which they write and number two in that which they say in that which they utter so even when they write the name of the messenger they would alongside writing they would say as they would write uh, those ahadith mentioning the messenger of Allah بِكِتَابَةِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ وَلَعَلَّ ذَلِكَ لِقَصْدِ مُوَافَقَةِ الْأَمْرِ فِي الْكِتَابِ الْعَزِيزِ فِي قَوْلِهِ صَلُّوا عَلَيْهِ وَسَلِّمُوا تَسْلِيمًا He mentions, and he said that many of the Salaf and the latter generations, the Khalaf, they would do so when they would write صلى الله عليه وسلم and that was of course perhaps the reason for that was the intent of being in accordance with the command of the Messenger in the Kitab al-Aziz, Sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima, when Allah Azza wa Jalla has commanded 
from the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Hamad used to constantly uh, encourage with writing or saying when one sends peace and blessings upon the Messenger to say it in its complete manner. Sallallahu Alaihi wa Alaihi Wasallam. Sallallahu Alaihi wa Alaihi Wasallam. وَلَا يَخْتَسِرُ الصَّلَاةَ فِي الْكِتَابَةِ He said, وَلَا يَخْتَسِرُ الصَّلَاةَ فِي الْكِتَابَةِ He shouldn't abbreviate sending peace and blessings upon the Prophet ﷺ when he writes. And so he should not say, saw. Or, essay. Or, بالعربي, صَلْعَمْ صَلْعَمْ يعني short for sallallahu alayhi wa sallam rather he writes sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he mentions kama yaf'alu ba'd al-mahrumina al-mutakhallifin he said like that which is done by some of those who are mahrumin mahrumin yani that are cut off from reward mutakhallifin those who are who have opposed that which the Salaf of this Ummah used to do. He said, فَيَكْتُبْ سَلْعَ أو صَلَمْ أو صَلْسَلَمْ صَلْسَلَمْ وَكُلُّ ذَلِكَ غَيْرُ وَلَائِقٍ بِحَقِّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ He said, all of that is not befitting as it relates to the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. سَلْعَمْ يعني this سَلْعَمْ وَصَلَعْ are all just abbreviations of sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said none of that is befitting as it relates to the rights of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He said and there has occurred in relation to writing salah upon him in its complete form and leaving this ikhtisar atharun kathira. There are many narrations in that regard. Uh, and the muhakkik indicates Al-Jami' of Khatib al-Baghdadi and Al-Qawl al-Badi' of Imam al-Sakhawi. He said, وَإِذَا مَرَّ بِذِكْرِ الصَّحَابِ لَا سِيَمَ الْأَكَابِرْ مِنْهُمْ كَتَبَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ If he comes across the mention of one of the Sahaba, particularly the major companions, then he says, رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ He said, وَلَا يَكْتُبْ السَّلَاةُ وَالسَّلَامَ لِأَحَدٍ غَيْرَ الْأَنْبِيَاءِ وَالْمَلَائِكَةِ إِلَّا تَبَعًا لَهُمْ He said he doesn't write عليه الصلاة والسلام except for one of the prophets or the malaika إِلَّا تَبَعٌ لَهُمْ Except تَبَعٌ لَهُمْ That is to say the prophets, the malaika, the prophets, the messengers and some of the companions were mentioned in one siyaq and so whoever wrote that followed it with alayhimu salatu wassalam. So that alayhimu salatu wassalam is in relation to the malaika, the prophets and the messengers, but they're encompassed by the sahaba likewise because there is no issue yani, with us uh, saying alayhimu salat, alayhim salam, yani, with the companions, ridwan Allah alayhim. There is no issue, but one does not uh, specify the companions with that. And so if a companion is mentioned by, him, by himself, radiallahu anhu, if it is a group of them, radiallahu anhum, <coughs> and he doesn't say alayhi salatu wassalam, and with that, we draw your attention to what you'll find in many of the books, and it is 
from the ta'thir or from the effects of the Shia, and that is when it comes to Ali radiallahu anhu or Fatima radiallahu anha, that they will say, Mathalan karram Allahu waj'ah, or alayhi salam, Aliyun alayhi salam, or karram Allahu waj'ah, may Allah ennoble his face. And that is specifically in relation to Ali or Fatima radiallahu anhum ardahum. Uh, and that is from the ta'thir of the Fasid Aqeedah that they have. And so you'll find that present in some of the writings of some of the ulama, mathalan, of Yemen, who uh, were surrounded by Zaydiya. And uh, sometimes, in some cases, that they themselves were originally Zaydiya, and then Allah Azza wa guided them to the Sunnah. But you may still find some athar of either their surroundings or their past in that they didn't see any issue with yani with continuing and so you'll find in the books of al-imam al-shawkani uh, ali sometimes you'll, you'll you come across him saying ali alayhi salam or karram allahu wajah you may come across that that you'll come across in some places you should understand then that that is uh, not what the salaf of this ummah were upon but at least understand why it occurs. Sadisan. As Sadis, he mentions, Yambari and Yetajanab and Kitab at the Kika Fi and Nasr. For in Al Khat Allah Matun. For Abianuhu Ahsanuhu. He said, in relation to writing, now this is a benefit in relation to your handwriting. He said, a person should avoid as much as possible when he writes Al-Kitaba Al-Daqiqa fine handwriting small handwriting he said for indeed Al-Khat handwriting is an alama yani it is something that is used to indicate something else so when it is a, it is in essence from the signposts of knowledge, it is used to indicate ilm. When that is the case, he mentions, ahsanuhu. The clearest of it is the best of it. And it is better when it's clearer. When you can read it, and it's wadih, and it's clear, and that is better than fine uh, print or fine writing that you struggle to read uh, and that is of course a benefit that a person may take in relation to memorization that if you're looking to memorize a book and you're looking to memorize from Bulugh al-Maram or you're looking to memorize al-Hakam or another one of the books of Aqeedah or some of the books of Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab then it is befitting ikhwan, that you look for a print that is pleasing to your eye because part of your memorization returns back to what your brain takes a, a, an image of. That your brain will remember the page as you memorize. And sometimes, maybe years later, when you're, you're, you're recalling something from memory, you see the page and you remember even where it was on the page. As you recall. And for that reason, Ahlul mentioned when you memorize that you should use one print. If it's the Quran, use one print. Don't use various prints. Use one print. If you're memorizing something from the Sunnah, use one print. 
If you're memorizing something from one of the books of Ahlul Ilm, use one print when you memorize and rely upon that. Because your brain takes an image of what you're memorizing. Uh, and so you should be careful in that regard. And thus he mentions here that if you write, then don't write fine handwriting. And then he explains the fact that كان بعض السلف some of the salaf they used to say إذا رأى خطا دقيقا قال هذا خط من لا يوقن بالخلف من الله he said that some of the salaf they used to say that this is the handwriting of an individual who doesn't he's not certain of Allah Azza wa Jal recompensing or uh, or rewarding and, and leaving him with reward for an action, meaning, what does he mean by that? Huh? How is he gonna? You look at the hand, his print is not too bad, but if it's fine handwriting and it's difficult to read, then the man who comes after him who may possibly have benefited from what he wrote can't benefit a thing because he can't read it and it's difficult to read uh, similarly he mentioned and there's, there are some narrations similarly uh, concerning Imam Ahmad in relation to some of the ahadith that he wrote in fine when he was younger that he regretted writing uh, some of those ahadith in fine handwriting because he struggled to read them uh, there and after. He said, وَقَالَ بَعْضُهُمْ اُكْتُبْ مَا يَنْفَعُكَ وَقْتَ حَاجَتِكَ إِلَيْهِ وَلَا تَكْتُبْ مَا لَا يُنْتَفَعُ بِهِ وَقْتَ الْحَاجَةِ He said, وَالْمُرَادُ وَقْتَ الْكِبَرِ وَضَعْتِ الْبَصَرِ He said, that some of the Salaf they used to say, write that which will benefit you at, at a time that you're going to need it. And don't write that which, we, that which you will not benefit from it at the time of need. Uh, or that which you will not benefit from at the time of need. He said, Murad, the intent here is when you are older or when your sight becomes weak. Because that small handwriting when you're young and your memory is sharp, and you're just recording it for recording sake but alhamdulillah you've memorized it that ikhwan when a person becomes older that will fade that will fade ordinarily it fades and so a person needs to go over as he gets older he needs to go over some of that which he memorized when he was younger but if he's unable to read what he memorized then when he really needs to benefit from what he wrote He's unable to do so. Uh, so they used to say that when you write, then ensure to write in such a manner that you'll benefit from it when you need it. Now, he mentioned seventhly, and we're, gonna, we're going to try and round up quickly, Juan, with the last of these benefits. Seventhly, إِذَا صَحَّحَ الْكِتَابُ وَالْمُقَابَلَ عَلَىٰ أَصْلِهِ الصَّحِيحِ أَوْ عَلَىٰ شَيْخٍ فَيَنْبَغِي لَهُ أن يشكل المشكل ويؤجم المستأجم ويضبط الملتبس ويتفقد مواضع التصحيف.
He mentions here, seventhly, if he corrects and amends a book and he makes the muqabala, muqabala is that he um, compares it and references a, a, a sound book <coughs> as he writes, he compares his writing, that which is already present in a sound copy, is known as al-muqabala, uh, just, just as we mentioned concerning the manuscript in our time, the affair of muqabala is uh, particularly the case when it comes to bringing a book out of manuscript form into uh, into written form. Sheikh Sheikh Hamad showed us the manuscript. There's a book of Imam Sanaani uh, that Sheikh Hamad was the one who brought the manuscript into the country, uh, and he showed us the manuscript uh, and more than one copy of the same book, different manuscripts. Naturally, when you're dealing with a book that has, that had popularity at one stage, and so there were a few handwritten manuscript copies that have been found, it, bef it is befitting that before a person just copies that which is written in one of them and puts it into print, that he does what is known as a muqabla. And that is probably the most strenuous part of producing those books that are in manuscript form, which is why we have, there is a huge uh, wealth of ilm that hasn't been br brought into print form, even here in England, in, in, the, uh, in London, in the museum in London, um, there are manuscripts ikhwan, that uh, to this day ikhwan, are not printed books. Bringing those books into printed form is not just about getting the manuscript and just copying what's in the manuscript and typing it out, but it requires gathering the manuscripts as much as is humanly possible. So you may come across, for example, four copies of the same book in handwritten manuscript form. Then the muhakkik now has to go through the strenuous task of following each sentence comparing each manuscript and the sentences that are present within, within each manuscript, page for page, and uh, 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 printing and typing that which there is unity upon among the manuscripts. And if any of those manuscripts differ with a word or a harf or a letter, that it is his task to make mention of the fact that manuscript ta or manuscript ba has this in it, while seen had that in it. Which is sometimes when you read in the Arabic books, you'll find at the bottom, and it's just letters. Ba yaqra'ahu. Seen qara'ahu. That ba and seen, those are the manuscripts that he references in the beginning of the book. So he'll mention, for example, wajadtu masalan makhfutatayni khattiyatayn. The first one is al alif, second one is ba. I came across two manuscripts of the book. First one I referred to as alif, second one I referred to as ba. One I found in al-maktab al-zahiriya, and the other one, 
uh, we took or found in the maktaba of Sheikh Hamad al-Ansari, mathalan. And so throughout the book you'll find alif, ba, alif, ba, and then just some words by themselves. What he's indicating is in manuscript alif, then it said such and such. In manuscript ba, it said such and such. What is given preference returns back to the nature of the manuscript. One of uh, alif could possibly have been a handwritten manuscript from the author himself. Ba is the, is the manuscript, the copy of one of his students. Or they're both copies of the students, but one was known to have been mulazim of the sheikh. And he was close to the sheikh for over 24 years, mathalan. While the other was a more recent student, and so you'll give preference to, and so on. So the compar comparing the manuscripts is this affair of muqabala in our time is one of the manu ma manners in which a person will make muqabala. But you may do so with some of the prints of some books. So there's an old print that is out, and then there is a new print that has come out. You would possibly buy both prints. If, if, yeah, and generally the Talib and Sheikh Sheikh Hamad used to advise with that. And he'd almost buy one print. And he'd buy a few prints. <coughs> because there may be benefits that are present within the one that are not present within the other. So one may be better in terms of the text. The other may be better in terms of the checking of the text. Mathalan. So you'll find, Ikhwan, that the Talib Ilm who's serious about Qutub, you'll find he have three, four prints of one book. Why? Yeah, because there's benefits in that one and not present in this one. Benefits in that one and not present in this one. Now, طيب يقول رحمه الله تعالى. He said, and so he, after he makes his مقابلة, uh, and he checks it with the sheikh, then it is befitting for him أن يشكل المشكل. يَشْكُلَ المشكل يعني that he puts the tashkil over the letters and all those letters that need to have tashkil over them يعني there may be some, some words مثلاً that are written in, in, in a number of ways but in this particular context it is only one way so he makes that clear in that which he writes he said وَيُعْجِمَ الْمُسْتَعْجِمْ that is that he uh, makes mention of or he puts the ducks in in the nukat in wherever they are missing if needs be because most of the, many of the old manuscripts, you won't find a, ba, a, a dot underneath the ba, or two dots over the ta, you won't find that. And he, that you will, and he, there are methods of reading that, with that by way of which a person knows what the letter is. So in those instances, he would add those, uh, those dots wherever necessary but the old manuscripts many of them have no doubts upon them uh, whatsoever and so he corrects that uh, and so whenever you read for example in some of the books of Ahl al-Ilm 
بها المهملة يعني the intent is ها without any dot يعني المؤجمة that it has a dot either above or below and it will mention that now طيب he said and he makes clear that which is ambiguous uh, and he rectifies the places that have in them tasheef and if there is any error any mistake then he rectifies the errors that are present within that for example here in this book in this print of tazkira itself he said qala ba'dhum uktub ma yanfa'uka waqta hajatika ilayh wa la takbut ma la tantafi'u bihi was the text uh, which is ironic if one since it's right under the affair of being precise in what, in what you've written now طيب moving on again to point number 8 الثامن اذا اراد تخريج شيء في الحاشيه يسمى اللحق بفتح الهاء علم علم له في موضعه بخط منعطف قليلا الى جهه التخريج that is he mentions if there is إذا أراد تخريج شيء في الحاشية. If you want to put something as or mention something as a footnote, then he he mentions here في الحاشية ويسمى اللحق بفتح الحاء اللحق يعني أو الملحق بفتح الحاء which is what it's referred to as علم له في موضعه بخط منعطف قليلا. إلى جهة التخريج. That is, if he wants to make a note, and this is one of the one of the issues that you come across in some manuscripts, if he wants to make a note about a masala, then he would do so by writing that affair in a slightly, slight in a slight diagonal manner, which indicates that there is a footnote connected to this this. This word here, or this statement here, that is why it is slanted slightly. And so you'll find in some manuscripts that it will be written normally, and then there's a slant in part of the jumla. That slant indicates that there is a harsh here connected to that slant. There is a footnote connected to the slant. Which is why in some books, if you look at some of the old books, what you'll find is... In 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 some of the books, you'll find them written in in some of the old prints. You'll find them written inside a border, and then the book is written like a pyramid. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yani that it starts small at the top, and then it gradually gets bigger in the shape of a pyramid. Have you ever seen that in some books? Ordinarily, at the beginning or at the end. So it starts fine, and then it gets gradually wider as a pyramid. So the so the edge of the words make a triangular shape, and then and then the writing continues as normal. They do that, or the scholars of the Salaf used to do so. If there was a need to add a note or a benefit or a faida or a comment 
or some issue after the completion of the book, they would leave that area for additional notes with the slanted writing for additional notes for that purpose. So you'll find, so it's not just that they just wanted to make it look pretty. There's actually a reason for them writing uh, the the books in that manner. التاسيع لا بأس بكتابة الحواشي والفوائد وال وال والتنبيهات المهمة على حواشي كتاب يملك يملكه ولا يكتب في آخره صح فرخا بينه وبين التخريج بعضهم يكتب عليه هاشية أو فائدة أو بعضهم يكتب في آخرها ولا ينبغي أن تكتب إلا فائدة مهمة متعلقة بذلك الكتاب. He mentions here, uh, there is no problem uh, when one writes the footnotes, or no problem with writing footnotes and benefits, and can be hard and draw your, uh, drawing your attention to important affairs. الكتاب, in the footnote of a book that you own. Uh, uh, he said, rather, he should not put in the back of the book sah, which is a note which is like a statement like footnotes so they would write sah and then they would add any benefits related to something within the book this sah is similar to our footnote uh, and so they would either write sah or hashia uh, or fa'idah uh, now it has become commonplace to write benefits in the front. You'll find Tulab Ilm in the kutub that they're reading and studying that they'll write a benefit on the white page at the front of the book or on the white page at the back of the book. They come across a benefit. And that is a practice that has become commonplace in our time. Uh, and you'll find, Ikhwan, that subhanAllah, if you get into the practice of doing so. I mean, we, for the most part, were writing in dafatir and in notebooks, but uh, we wish that we had started that practice earlier because there are many books, Ikhwan, that you'll read and you'll write a benefit and a note in, and then you come back to it years later, and, well, I don't remember that benefit at all. Hey, when did I even come across that? I don't even remember reading the section. Um, it's like something that occurred the other day, when I come across, uh, uh, I'm, I'm compiling a book right now. Yassarallahu um, Taba'ahu uh, Wa Ikmala. An important book, Ikhwan, around an important mawdu. Wa Sammaytuhu. Sammaytuhu. Well, to be honest with you, I've given it a few names right now, but the one I've settled on. It was Ta'jil al nubugh then it became Tuhfat Uqul al-Kiram bi Zawaid al-Muharrar wa Umdat al-Ahkam ala Bulug al-Maram. The Zawaid of Umdat al-Ahkam and Bulug al-Maram al-Muharrar over Bulug al-Maram. Bulug al-Maram, the book that you I'm sure are all familiar with. Umdat al-Ahkam, many people believe that Umda is 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 yeah and it just uh, or that bulug everything that is in umda is in bulug and that is not the case. Yeah, so if you study bulug, you've studied umda. That is not the case. 
There is somewhere in the region of about 160 hadith in, in Umda, even though Umda is small, it only has, يعني, depending on who's counting, uh, over 300 or so hadith. But there is somewhere in the region of 160 hadith in Umda fil Ahkam that are not in Bulugh al Maram. Muharrar, which is a book just like Bulugh al Maram of Ibn Abdul Hadi, has somewhere in the region of 350 hadith. So those extras, يعني, I've gathered them in one place. And so if you read that one book, it is as though, as alongside studying Bulug, it's as though you've studied Bulug, Muharrar, and Umda. And if you read, and it's, just, it's not, yeah, and it's only about 400 or so hadith. In any case, so I was looking at Muharrar, my old, one of my old copies of Muharrar from Jamia, we used to memorize it in Jamia. And I, there was a hadith that I'd, I'd come across, related to, this, to the book now. Kunna nu'mar, kunna nu'mar, إذا قمنا من الليل أن أن نشوص فاؤنا أو أفواهنا بالسواك that we were commanded that when you when one rises by night when one rises at night from the sleep of the night that you use the miswak but that which is popular is the statement of the prophet or the or that which is attributed to the messenger of Allah the prophet of Allah كان إذا قام من الليل يشوس فاه بالسواك. that when he would rise at night, the first thing that he would do is use miswak. and so we have it as a hadith informing what the Prophet ﷺ used to do, not as a command. actually, if it was كنا نؤمر إنه becomes واجب to use miswak first thing in the morning or first thing when you rise at night. So the hadith, anyway, there is some issues within the hadith. Some of the people of knowledge authenticate the hadith. But what is most correct is that it is shadh with that wording, yani with the amr. So I remember returning back to after I'd searched around the fawaid and the statements of Ahl al-Hadith and so on. Uh, and after I typed the footnote, I went back to my copy, فَإِذَا بِهِ حديث شاذ ما هنرايتين حديث شاذ وقد خالف ما يعني a long footnote that I'd written years ago. Now I'm looking at the hadith as though I don't remember this this رواية. But when I went back to the old my old copy of محرر years ago I'd already written a a full footnote with all of the references that I'd just come across, which indicates إخوان that you'll come across a فائدة and a benefit in a book. And you'll think nothing of it at the time, and you'll forget it one years later. So pen, penning those benefits down is of the essence and extremely beneficial ikhwan for the talib ilm. He mentions al-ashir, and we mentioned these last two points. Al-ashir la ba'sa bi kitabati al-abwabi wa tarajum wa al-fusul bil-humra fa'innahu azhar fil-bayan. He said, the tenth is that there is no problem with writing the headings and the tarajum, yani the, the, the titles and the sections in red. Indeed, that is clearer fil bayan. That is clearer in making the affair apparent. Uh, and so to write in red was something that the Salaf used to do. And oftentimes, Ikhwan, just as they would write in blue, they would oftentimes strike out in red. Or they would overline in red. 
says Ahl al-Hadith, the method of Ahl al-Hadith, the manhaj of Ahl al-Hadith, is to overline. Underlining is a Western phenomenon. Ahl al-Hadith used to overline. So anything that they wanted to highlight, they wouldn't write a line under as we do. <laughs> they would overline. Yani write a line over the jumla or over the statement uh, that they wished to highlight. And to do so in red, he mentions there is no problem uh, with that. He mentions Hadi Ashar, the last of those benefits is وَالضَّرْبْ أَوْلَى مِنَ الْحَكِّ فَلَا سِيَمَا فِي كُتْبِ الْحَدِيثِ He said, الضَّرْبْ to to draw a line through something has more precedence and is better than to rub it out. And the Ahlul Hadith would, if they made a mistake or if, the, if a statement was erroneous, they wouldn't rub it out, they would draw a line through it and they would consider that better. And there are benefits in relation to that. He said, وَجَهَالَ فِي مَا كَانَ أو كُتِبْ وَلِأَنَّ زَمَانُهُ أَكْثَرْ فَيَضِيعْ وَفِعْلَهُ أَخْتَرْ وَرُبَّمَا سَقَبَ الْوَرَقْ وَأَفْسَدَ مَا يَنْفُضُ إِلَيْهِ فَأَضْعَفَهَا فَإِنْ كَانَ إِزَالَةْ نُقْطَةْ أو شَكْلَةْ وَنَحْوِ ذَلِكَ فَالْحَكْ أَوْ لَا to do so because what you have when you when you draw a line through something is you still have the original statement present and it may well be that over time uh, you are in need of making a comparison between the erroneous statement that was crossed out and the other statement because the other statement something may have occurred with it and that may have been rubbed out or something may have uh, uh, yani some error may have crept in in relation to it if you've rubbed out the previous statement then you, don't, you have nothing to look at, nothing to compare but with the presence of the previous statement but it being, but it being uh, crossed out we still have the presence of something to compare and so we're able to make that muqarana uh, and we're able uh, to be clear about where the error has crept in that is something Ahl al-Hadith, Ikhwan, have been upon min qadim al-zaman, being ardent about errors creeping into the book. In fact, if it was known that someone had a copy of a book and his copy was erroneous, he may be considered da'if, even though he was thiqa in relation to that, as occurred with the uh, riwayat of the muwatta of Imam Malik. Imam Malik... Uh, his muwatta, he had a student whose name was Habib ibn Abi Habib. Habib ibn Abi Habib was from the students who used to read the muwatta to anyone who would come wishing to write the muwatta down. And so he would be paid for reading the muwatta. Yani, the Sheikh would give him the muwatta, he would be paid for the reading. So there would be Ten of us who come from England, come to Medina, we want to sit and we want to have a, a jalsa, the reading of Muwatta, and write it out. And so we all leave being narrators of Muwatta. 
And so Habib and Abi Habib, who was one of the trusted ones, would read the Muwatta, and we would write it out. Naturally, the more we can get through those readings, Muflus. So Habib ibn Abi Habib, when he would read, he would read a couple hadith here, then he would jump to the bottom of the page, read down there, he would read a few on this page, skip a few pages, read a few at the top here, jump down to the bottom, read a few there, <laughs> and hatta yantahi bisura. And so he would finish the book quickly, but whoever wrote that, then his his muwatta is not coming. Ikhwan is naqiz jiddan. It's hugely deficient. So anybody who narrated al muwatta from the qira'ah of Habib ibn Abi Habib, then his qira'ah is da'if. So he traveled all the way from Khurasan, he traveled from, he gone back here with muwatta, but his muwatta is da'ifah. Why? All because of that which returns back to precision in relation to the book. So those are some ikhwan of the benefits and we'll round up with the statement he mentions here uh, a final statement about yeah he's still he's still connected uh, to correcting the book that is if he is correcting his book with with the sheikh in front of a sheikh and he reaches a particular spot where they will stop for today, they will write Balagh, or Balagat, or Balagh al-Ard. Yani, our reading to the Shia reached this point. And so it would be like dating, in our time, dating, for example, our sitting with the Shia, that our reading reached this point. Anything after that was not read to the Shia. And so that which is before it, we may narrate it with Haddathana, Akhbarana, uh, but anything after that that we don't have any proof that, or, or we don't have or we didn't read to the sheikh then uh, that is not considered uh, a sound narration so all of that as we mentioned Ikhwan returns back to the affair of preserving the book being ardent about how uh, we use our books how we collect our, our books how we protect them how we guard them uh, and how we write them so with it Ikhwan We'll round up. <laughs> with that, we'll round up. MashaAllah. Antum, MashaAllah. I'm really impressed with you guys today, Ikhwan. Wallahi. 20 to 1. 20 to 1. And I don't see anybody falling asleep except for that brother over there. And <laughs> 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 he didn't even sleep, he just kicked back for a minute. <laughs> أياكم الله إخوان سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك شد ولا إله إلا أنت استغفرك وأتوب إليك